Hello, everyone, and welcome to this new episode of The London Circle. Today, I'll be discussing the UK student activist scene. What are the challenges? What are the opportunities? And why is it that it has transformed so radically over the course of the past 15 to 20 years? I'll be talking with Shema Dallali, an activist, as well as Lubaba Khalid, Young Labour's BAME representative. Enjoy. It's uh, quite uh, interesting that my uh, political awareness was really awoken when I was doing my A-levels. This was a long, long time ago. I don't wish to reveal how long ago that was, but um, I recall first becoming politically aware in the midst of the campaign against apartheid in South Africa. And um, by most accounts, if not all accounts, the students... Uh, movement, the British student movement at the time was instrumental to the dismantling of apartheid, to the uh, basically uh, exposing the realities, the horrors of apartheid. Uh, the boycott campaign of the of the time was was something that you know we 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 actually took immense pride in doing. And when the student movement in the UK was 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 lauded by the likes of Nelson Mandela, by uh, Desmond Tutu, by you know the real stalwarts of the anti-apartheid uh, campaign. Um, it it filled us with pride. So you know, there's absolutely no question that um, student activism, and particularly in this country, in the UK, is an incredibly Im- important tool, not only to spread awareness politically among students, but also to really bring to the fore and to the to society's attention the cases that are going on around the world, particularly those of injustice and the such. Is it, and I, I've been disconnected from that particular scene now for more than 30, 35 years, but would I be, um, would I be wrong to, to think that things aren't the same as back then? I mean, you're absolutely right. The student movement is, still is, um, you know, very important space to create cultural shifts, to create political shifts. And I think that explains why there is a focus from the government, from, you know, different people, different political parties on what is happening in the student movement and trying to influence some of that. So, you know, you hear the cancel culture and, you know, all these things, the Freedom of Speech Act, which recently passed, all these all these things are trying to change or trying to influence what's happening in the student movement because the student movement is so important. Um, the student movement has, um, you know, come up with the politicians that we see today. Um, those, they were all involved in the student movement. Um, so it's still strong, but I think there is an attempt to weaken it. Why? Because of how strong it is and because of the influence that it has, I think, um, to bring to bring about positive change in society. I wouldn't say it's actually an attempt to weaken. I think it's an attempt to control it because of how strong it is. It's for making sure that they have their own political, um, like individuals that have that share the same politics as, you know, the Tory government, things like that, to come back into the political, in, into student politics, because we have seen a silence of, you know, the young, uh, the Knowles, for example, the, the Labour students, the previous Labour students before the current one, um, you know, they were in control of NUS, for example, for a long time. We saw the organised, um, organised independents who were in control of, of, of the NUS, um, using NUS as a main um, example, um, a national union of students. Um, and then now you're seeing actually they were silenced. They, they haven't had an elected um, officer in quite a while. And then therefore now you're seeing an attempt to control that with this, with the push of, you know, the IHRA definition of anti-Semitism, forcing universities to accept it, or they get um, cuts off uh, the Office of Students um, funding and things like that. So now you're seeing it slowly coming in as this attempt to control and then bring their own politics back into those um, is it, is spaces. It because, is it because traditionally the student movement has been uh, known to be anti-establishment or is it is is it wider than that i mean is it more expansive than that i think the political the student movement is known to be anti-establishment anti-establishment it's also known to be and by the way that that's not well. exclusive to the uk i mean no it's not student movements yeah. around the world where they have freedom they will be anti-establishment in a way, that's how they should be. Exactly. I mean, don't you think? Yeah, 100%. I completely agree. I think 
I think also another thing about students is they're quite radical in a sense that they are not they are willing to put everything on the line and they quite and they're and they're not they're not afraid to use radical um means to achieve their goals like for example the rent strikes and things like that you know they're not afraid to do that and I think that does terrify the establishment it does terrify both major political parties um because in the end of the day we are the future and their their outlook on the world is slowly trying to is slowly dying and they're trying to like bring it back I think uh, I mean it's um I mean, what you're saying, it's, it's again, bringing back um, old memories, many of them good, I have to say. But I, I am all, also aware of the fact that, uh, you know, whilst, you know, a few years back, I used to be invited probably once or twice a week to speak at a particular event in universities up and down the country. I think it's been about seven years since I was last invited. And when I am invited, there is always this uh, this campaign that surrounds uh, the whole event where basically I am lauded as someone who is being problematic or troublesome. And the people who invite me get into trouble with their own, sometimes even with their own lecturers. I mean, it's, 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 it's incredible. So I, I think we've seen uh, more of that since... Um... 2015, uh, particularly when prevent became statutory duty. Um, and the chilling effect of prevent, I think we're going to see more of it actually in the future, particularly after the recent uh, review on prevent. My experience at university um, when I was president of uh, the Palestinian Society, for an example, and involved in other societies, whenever there was, you know, it's um, interesting that it's usually usually the major muslim majority societies will face this mm. where their speakers would be um delayed or the events will be cancelled um or there is a problem with the speaker or they they ha they have to go through extensive research you know background research on the speaker and sometimes you have to sign an agreement and 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 this does you know you're you're saying it's been seven years since you've been invited but as a student you you just end up thinking, what's the point? Yeah. Um, why should I go through all of this for me to be a target? And that is the real chilling effect. Mm. And we actually see that. It's it's crazy. Um, you know, I have seen so many students who would like to have events on political issues or issues they, they just care about, but they just know they're going to get a lot of heat and they just say, there's no point, let's just move on. And, and how many times do we hear of students' backgrounds uh, when they were at uni uh, being dug up, their statements being you know, splashed all over the news, portrayed as though uh, these people are beyond the reproach, you know, they're, they're, they're beyond the pale, they're unacceptable and the such. When... You know, generally speaking, uh, our ministers, even sometimes our prime ministers, their pasts at uni are, you know, as radical, as wild, uh, as chaotic as they used to be. But but they're they're not held to, to to the same kind of of barometer, if you wish, or the same kind of benchmark. And uh, and I get it. I get it. You know, when a student, for instance, feels that maybe them trying to hold this event either for Palestine or for, you know, the Rohingya, for instance, or the Uyghurs or anything else, Syria, um, that that will come back to bite them when they're seeking a career. It's, it's, it's quite scary, I have to say. I mean, the, the, the beauty of being a student and student work was the fact that, that you're scared of nothing, just like uh, Lubaba, you just said. I mean, it, you're scared of nothing. It's, it's, it's a space for you to exert yourself, to exert your personality, your emotions, your beliefs, your passions. Um, but yes, it seems that we, we are in times that are far more controlled. And, uh, the, Obviously, I mean, we, we have to talk about this, that uh, the student scene has been highly politicized also. Now, whilst political rhetoric, political narratives have always been part of student life, but the way in which political parties have now dominated uh, the students scene is something that's, that's you know, is, uh, I think is problematic. Would you agree? I do completely agree. Yeah, um, definitely. I feel like now there is definitely an influence of different political parties trying to like make a breakthrough into student politics. And we do see, especially in NUS, we still see that a lot. Um, yeah, I 
Definitely. I was uh, I was taken by a story that I read uh, just a few days ago about uh, our Home Secretary, Suella Braverman, being back in Cambridge and winning the Cambridge um, elections to become president of the, of the union. And that it, it appears that someone had accused her of some shady tactics. Um, and, um, and at the time, she being asked, how did you win this election? And she said, well, you can't really prove anything or something to that particular effect. But that doesn't seem to have, uh, have harmed her prospects of ultimately becoming Home Secretary, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's really interesting because I think it's it's about where you align yourself politically. Um, that will depend whether it come and bites you or not. Um, I think, you know, students who, particularly Muslim students, um, I would say, do bear the brunt of such actions the most. Um, and um, students of colour as well, because um, they tend to campaign on things that personally affects them you know such as black lives matter or palestine or, or whatever it is um and those are the people who are minoritized in wider society um so i think it is it is about balance of power and where power lies uh that determines whether these things come off to you in the future or, or not do you lubaba do you i mean from your experience in your position do you feel that um uh, students are uh, more inclined to sort of stand back and not really put themselves forward? Or are you saying, are you seeing, you know, I don't know, maybe you're seeing some sort of backlash and people putting themselves forward and saying, no, 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 I'm going to stand up to this. What kind of reaction are you finding? I'm actually seeing students who just don't want to be involved anymore, who are too afraid to put themselves out there, especially if they're talking about causes that are very personal to them. Because something that Shamel was saying is like, you know, naturally, our politics as Muslim people or as black people or as just BME people, our politics is naturally anti-establishment. So our existence in itself is a threat to the establishment. And I think now a lot of students have become a lot more aware of that because we don't have the support networks in place to support those students who may decide to run in elections and sabbatical offices or whatever elections they'd like to run. We unfortunately, don't have the support network that we used to have, especially under Jeremy Corbyn, because under jo Jeremy Corbyn, I think being anti-establishment was celebrated. It was a norm. It was something that, you know, everybody was comfortable to be. But now when we see in the current political sphere, we've obviously we've got the Tories, but then we have Keir Starmer as well, who has cracked down on left-wing politicians, activists within the Labour Party. It just shows that actually it's a very, it's a very scary time and a lot of students are... I just want to stick to themselves and just stick to grassroots work without being in elected positions and things like that. So it has been a bit of a challenge, I think, as the BME rep, um, not necessarily encouraging students to join the Labour Party, but more just to become more politically aware and to get involved in campaigns and things like that. It has been a lot more harder because a lot of students are like, mm, what's the point? What's the point? Because... If I decide to do something and it's against, I don't know, Labour policies, then then I'm going to be kicked out from the Labour Party or I'm going to have a um, a campaign against me on social media, um, which will then affect me, you know, my mental health and things like that. And so there's a lot more put at risk when you're a person of colour with uh, left-wing politics. So I think that's really important as well because obviously not all skin folk is like kin folk, but um, I think it's, it's being a person of colour with left-wing politics, that's like you're automatically a target. So, I mean, but th this is scary. I this mean, is very for, scary. For, 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 for young people not to be able to, to speak for what they believe in. Uh, and to exercise and put into practice certain things that they they are passionate about. Uh, I mean, you, you. I mean, I think the three of us come from part of the world where you know politics is almost non-existent for for, for 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 citizens, and hence you know the people who grow up they grow up with absolutely no idea about political campaigning, about um, you know lobbying for anything, about speaking out, speaking up, and the such. And um, you end up with societies that aren't really, you know, aren't really for change, aren't really for any kind of reinvention, uh, for renewal, the such. And uh, and that's problematic to the extreme. Yeah, it's definitely problematic. And I think um, 
with with the way the wider political space is moving towards, I think we will see that in uh, within the student movement. Um, the student movement is known for its radicalism. It's you know for that free spirit and for you know putting all arms in the air and and uh, just going at it. But I think there is an attitude of what's the point yeah. now, um, and I think we will continue to see that within the next years. I think is it. Only Muslim students? No, 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 no. It's not. It's not only Muslim students. It's. I think it's a wider. It's a. It's something that I've seen within the wider um, student movement, um, particularly Muslim and students who are of color. Um, but I do see it with white students as well who um, share left wing politics. Yeah, That's what it is. It's mainly the students who feel share left wing politics who now genuinely feel like, what's the point? And because I mean, when they say, what's the point? Let me let me pose a question. What what do you say to someone who says to you, I mean, really, come on. I mean, why am I doing this? Why would I be doing this? Why would I be risking? What would you tell them? What would you say to them? Why is it important? Listen, you know, just just it's a valid question. Why is it important that students campaign? That students, you know, put up placards displaying what they feel like? What I mean, why is this important? See, I don't have the answer for that. And the reason why I don't is because um Obviously, historically, like while I was a student, so like I went to Westminster University and when I was a student, you know, we had like cameras in our prayer rooms. We had, you know, every every person who went to the prayer room was monitored with their cards. Our ISOCs was pretty much non-existent. Islamic Society was pretty much non-existent. Um, and at the time when I was campaigning, like then that's when I became very, very involved in student politics and stuff because... You know, I was like, "What's going on? We've got we're being we're being watched at a different level and a lot worse than other universities." So that's when I got very involved. But now, talking to students, uh, then sorry, apologies. Then I felt like I was protected in a sense that my identity and my experiences weren't challenged. I wasn't being shut down for being Muslim for having these experiences. The issue with now is that if a student comes and talks about their experiences that experience in itself is being challenged. And I think that's where it becomes quite dangerous. And, and that's where I don't know how to tell the student, oh, there, it's worth fighting because if your experience is being challenged, your whole experience, because like I'm, I'm half Palestinian, so my mom's Palestinian and from Gaza. And like I be now, I'm in spaces where I have to actually explain why as Palestinians, we have the right to exist. That is exhausting. That is so exhausting, and um, and I, I I can't sit back and be like to other students or Palestinian students or Muslim students to be like, no, it's worth de- being demoralized, de- what's the word, demoralized, basically, and dehumanized. It's worth it because, you know, we'll get change in the end. I think it's actually a wider conversation about, okay, can we put structures in place to support these students? And if we can, then from that we can start regrowing the student movement as such and, and and encouraging students to get back involved in politics and stuff like that. But unfortunately right now our structures have been completely broken. Um, our funding has been cut, you know. Um, and so I think from, I think that would, for me to encourage students to be involved, I need to know as a, as, as a person that's encouraging them to know that they're protected and that they are, they're not putting themselves up running in these elections, getting involved, and then at the consequences of it is detrimental and for them and for you know the wider movement. So yeah, I I don't have the answer. So, you know, students have come to me, you know, a lot because obviously I'm young labor, so I do work with non people that are not students as well, um, young people as general. And they've come to me and they've asked me, like, is there a point? And I have to look at them and it's like, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's about holding on to that hope. I think I think that's the Palestinian side of me that makes me hopeful. We have to be hopeful, or then we'll all be miserable. So we have to be hopeful. And um, yeah, um, but truly, I mean, from, from my observation, I'm, please do correct me if I if you think I'm wrong. Um, the pro-Palestinian movement around the country is is quite healthy, and it's growing. I would suggest. Um, for, I'm, and I'm talking about from the kind of responses to any attack against Gaza, against the Palestinians, against the, the Al-Aqsa Mosque and the such. Every single time we're having bigger and bigger crowds. And what's more interesting is that we are having more um, uh, blunt and blatant 
uh, statements being being made. I mean, I was I was totally taken aback at a recent event um, where people stood up and talked about you know the the whole thing about the one state solution rather than the two state solution. I that never happened during my time. I mean, during my time, whenever you know I tried to argue against the two state solution, I would be shut down even by the pro Palestinian campaigners. So so there is. Surely, I mean, when we're talking about Palestine as an example, we're seeing a proliferation, maybe that's a hard uh, or, or, or an exaggerated word, but a, a, an, an expansive element to the pro-Palestinian campaign. And, and that is, by far and large, I would suggest, born from the student movement. I think, look, um, maybe Luaba can jump in on this. Um, when it comes to numbers, we have numbers. Every, any protests... We will have thousands of people. The issue is not numbers. Um, the issue is how do we protect those activists that then put themselves on the line for the cause? How do we ensure that these activists are not smeared? How do we ensure these activists have legal protection, for an example? Because if you know we can have the numbers and we can, if we're going to measure success by number, then yeah, sure, we can say that we're you know we're a successful campaign, etc. But I don't think. The measure of success is through how many people turn up to a protest. I think it's about how do we ensure that our activists are protected? Do we have the 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 frameworks and the support mechanisms for these activists? And I think that's where the movement lacks a bit. Lubaba, within your Young Labour movement, I mean, do you, do you find the same? I mean, do you I've been, I, like when it comes to Palestine, I've pretty much been silenced. I I if I I I can't. It talk about anything or if I, I tweet anything, if I say anything, I'm having somebody message me. I've like, I've been in a situation well, so, where- Saying what exactly? I mean, what saying, would they message you? Oh, do you sure you want to say that? Like I've been, I've been literally, so I went to an attended, maybe I shouldn't be saying this, but it doesn't matter. But I've, I've attended training sessions that were run by left-wing, major left-wing organizations in the Labour Party who in their training explicitly told us we cannot portray Zionism in a bad light. Mm. I'm like, mm, how, how, how can I not? Like of, like, of course I can, I should be allowed to. What's happened now is being Zionist is seen as a protective, as a protective characteristic. And they've now merged a Zionism and anti-Semitism and, and they've merged the two. And now it's become even increasingly difficult to criticize anything to do with Israel or what's happening in Palestine. And I think that's what I've, even for me, like if I'm tweeting about my own, like for example, family members or my own experiences, I will have people tell me, maybe you should reword that so that it's not misconstrued as for you, you know, supporting a certain thing or, or you're calling for a certain thing. Um, so yeah, it's been very difficult. And it's, and it's even, I think it's become even more challenging because I am Palestinian and I think like, and also on top of that, I'm Palestinian, but also like my, my father's from the Caribbean and like just the rich civil rights movement from the Caribbean, like my grandmother's from the Windrush generation and like learning how they campaigned in the 50s and 60s and um, and saw how radical in the way that they went about things, like they rioted, they did things like that. And I I come from like a background of not like resisting and not being afraid to resist. And I think now me even having that kind of energy and coming into a, a political space with that kind of energy of not afraid to resist, now that's being seen as a problem mm -hmm. because I have to be polite. I have to be friends with everybody. I have to be able to, um, I would have to, I have to be able to speak to everyone. But for, uh, for me, it's 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 been yeah it has been a very I don't know where I'm going with this but I have been it has well, been definitely call, I mean, very challenging. Naive. I I totally understand what you say because I I hear it from from young people. I mean my my son's uh, one of them has graduated and the other is still in his third year. But um, uh, I mean they tell me about the kind of pressures that they they come in for. Um, you know what what I find problematic from a purely uh, conceptual point of view is that uh, the point the whole point of going into university and going for a degree is because you you create a particular discipline in how you think okay there's a methodology there's 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 an, an approach that is rational there's that is reasonable um, to your thinking and 
And therefore, I find this extremely difficult to align that with one's capacity to criticize a government's actions and not conflate it with the government's, let's say, overall religion or religious identity. I mean, for instance, I wouldn't dare uh, call someone who criticizes the Saudi, Arabia, uh, Saudi Arabian government as being an Islamophobe, despite the fact that Saudi Arabia happens to be a, a Muslim nation. So, so, I mean, that is where I find it problematic, you see, because on one hand, I'm training these people so that they become, in life, they become positive assets that think, you know, according to rational, reasonable, logical means. But then on something so, you know, volatile, such as the Palestinian question, I'm telling them, no, forget about rationale, forget about logic, forget about reason. You know, this is how you should behave. It's it's deeply problematic. I mean, we see this in wider society as well. Um, you know, for an example, the proposed uh, BDS bill. Um, I mean, the government were very quick to, and, and rightly so, to um, boycott Russia and to call, you know, other bodies to boycott Russia. But when it comes to BDS or boycotting um, the the Israeli government, they they want to introduce a bill to to criminalize that yeah. and make it legal. So you, you see this sort of double standard and you see this sort of confusion um, in wider society. And I, I, I do go back to what I said earlier, and I think it does depend on where you lie within the political spectrum and what your, your political ideology is that makes something acceptable or not acceptable. Let's uh, depart a little from, from Palestine. Um, ov obviously, it's, it's probably the most heated topic within the international politics uh, discussion. Um, obviously, there's other things like China, like, uh, you know, um, but, but let, let's stay away from that. Let, let, let us bring it, bring it home a little. What are British students concerned about today? I mean, I'll tell you what I thought 15 to 20 years ago, and that was student loans. Okay. Okay, yep. that was student loans. And at the time, we had um, successive labor leaders, at the time, some of them prime ministers, who promised that they would work hard at either reducing or probably even eradicating student loans. The Liberal Democrats, for instance, for years, ran on the ticket of eradicating student loans. Uh, only a month ago or so, Keir Starmer came out and said, we are rubbishing that, basically. We're, we're throwing that uh, away. So uh, for, for someone as old as I am, is student loans still an issue that students think about? Or is there something else that they're worried about locally? I think it's student loans and the cost of living. Those are the two big things. The reality is if you talk to an everyday student, they're not talking about Palestine to you. They are talking about the cost of living and they're talking about the loans. And I think the, in, in the new system that's going to be implemented in September as well. Um, and I think that is the two biggest things that is, yeah. Are there campaigns going on about student loans? So the campaigns, so the, the campaigns on student loans is about making a Sharia compliant campaign, but I am the view that we should be as Muslims campaigning for a free education. Nice. Um, I don't think necessarily campaigning for a Sharia compliant system actually solves the issue. Yeah. Um, it's, I think we should be campaigning and joining forces with other groups that are campaigning for free education. I think that should be the goal. Um, but I know- and Is there a sizable campaign for free education or has that bus left already? I've, again, it's the politics of it all because the, the organizations that were quite big on that free education stuff turned out to be quite dodgy individuals. And I think that then died out that whole group and that whole campaign. Um, but it's still something that, you know, I know like as uh, labor students and young labor, we like we released a statement um, challenging Keir Starmer on his, uh, on his stance on, on free education, because that was something that he ran on the election yeah. for. And obviously he's done another U-turn. But I guess it's, uh, it's, a, it's a challenge because it's, um, you're seeing now two groups. You're seeing one that's obviously arguing for free education, one that's uh, talking about Sharia compliant uh, loan system. The Sharia compliant loan system campaign has seemed to be a little bit more successful because I know that they're now starting with like MPs and things like that. I, I would love to see the two join forces and come and, and call for a free education because um, I know, yeah, I don't know. I think... Maybe 15 years ago, there used to be, you know, one or two campaigns that 
all students, no matter where they are on the political spectrum, they would all unite on. That no longer exists within the student movement. And therefore you have different pockets and groups of students campaigning on different things, um, whether on a local level or on a national level. Um, I personally haven't really seen anything major when it comes to um, free education um, campaigns. Um, I've definitely seen um, local campaigns um, uh, when it came to rent strikes and reducing uh, rent. Um, and that has been relatively successful in certain universities. Um, and um, those students are, they're radical students. And actually I've seen, uh, for an example, Manchester rent strike. Um, they have been really successful, really radical that they have posed a threat to the institution. And a number of their students are now facing disciplinary, mm -hmm. uh, but they have occupied buildings. And I've seen this, especially during COVID, um, a number of university students would occupy buildings or they would, you know, rent strike. So I think those local campaigns are a bit more successful than sort of national ones where you have all students from different political spectrums coming together. Unfortunately, it doesn't seem like that's the case anymore. It's, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, w the way you're describing the, the student scene is, uh, I have to say, is almost totally different from the scene that I'm, I, was, um, I was part of and I was aware of. But obviously, that, I mean, this could be said of many aspects of our life. I mean, we're talking about politics, for instance, and the kind of po political discourse that is now... Um, overriding is is totally different from the one that uh, you know we were at or we were in the midst of um in the the mid 90s to the early 2000s and the such um so but at the same time i mean i say this but on the bright side um i see more and more muslim students coming to the fore becoming leaders elected as presidents of either student unions at various universities or even on uh, the NUS level, yourself, Malia, uh, Malia what's her name? Malia? Bu'atiya. Uh, and um, Ali Milani was... was Ali, Milani, yes. Ali Milani, yes. Ali Milani well. various, You know, various other, other people who, who were absolutely, who gained the trust of their peers and were elected to higher positions. Now that must be good news. That must be great news. The fact, Lubaba, that you're part of Young Labour's BAME, I mean, that's, that, that speaks a lot, yes? You don't seem convinced. I, 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 I'm not, I'll be honest with you, I, I'm not convinced. I don't think having more faces that look like us in, in, in different positions is it necessarily means that's it, we're like, we're there. We're, we're there. I think even like looking at our government now, you know, the Tory government, there's quite a lot of, obviously, um, BME people in the in the in the, yeah, um, the prime minister and the prime exactly the prime minister is uh, Indian. But do, you, do are we seeing things getting involved? If not, if anything, we're seeing a complete U-turn because we saw how a couple of months ago was it a couple of months ago when they were talking about grooming gangs and things like that, and they were targeting Asian men, even though factually that's completely incorrect. Mm -hmm. But then the, we've got an Asian woman as the Home Secretary and an Asian man as the head of um, uh, as the prime minister. So. Does it mean it's a good thing? I, I personally, I'm not, I'm not convinced it is. If anything, I think it's actually doing the opposite. It's showing that actually, oh, we, we don't need to be campaigning anymore. We don't need to be involved in politics as more anymore because we've got people now in government that can do it for us. Um, and this, and this, so yeah, I, I think I don't know, Shane, Matt, if you have a different opinion, but even for me, like, yeah, I might be the BME rep, but. Even within my role, I'm being censored left, right, and center. So is that a good thing if I'm there or not? So, mm. I mean, I, I completely hear what you're saying and I, I do agree with you to a large extent, but I, I don't want it to be a thing where people like us feel that they shouldn't go for these roles. Um, I think it will definitely come with challenges, but I think particularly as Muslims, <laughs> We're told to always stand up for the truth, no matter what, and to to fight for injustice, um, and to to care about our society and to to campaign for our society. And I I'm just wary that this idea of well, there's no point of us going to these positions. I'm just worried that the consequence will be people stop running for these positions, and then we're 
back to square one. I do think having like Milia, for an example, she was the first Muslim, you know, NUS president. NUS celebrated its 100th birthday last year. Yeah. Um, so Milia was the first president after what, about 90 years uh, of NUS? Yeah. And for me, I think despite the challenges that she went through, but that is a huge, huge success because it paved the way for people like Zamzam to, to run, for me to run, despite everything. So I, 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 I completely agree with you, but I, I think it's a, it's a balancing act. Um, I do think it's really important for people of color, Muslim students to, to put themselves forward and to create a positive change in their respective roles, whether it's you know, in their student union or, uh, or other. I'm finding, I'm f uh, again, I mean, do correct me, but uh, I'm finding that more and more young Muslims, particularly men and women, um, are exerting themselves throughout all facets of life in in, uh, in the UK. And I'm talking here about business, I'm talking about um, um, engineering, I'm talking about arts, sports, um, media, politics. Um, and that surely is a good sign and surely um, is born from people's um, uh, experiences whilst they were students at university. I mean, I'm pretty sure that that had uh, some sort of impact on them. What you say, uh, Lubaba, is extremely interesting because uh, what you're talking about is iconism, is basically, or symbolism, or even tokenism. I mean, probably the fact that there is a, um, a BME prime minister might give um, the racists within our midst um, the goal to say, well, there we have it. We're not racist after all. You know, we're 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 a fairly uh, decent people, and we don't need to campaign for equal rights anymore because we have the top job given to someone from, you know, for, from an Indian descent. But so we haven't. Let's say we do have an Indian prime minister, but then one of the the, the first black women MP has now been pushed aside in the Labour Party, mm. Diane Abbott. So. That, that's where I'm, and that's why I'm very torn as to whether is it just enough to have just our faces there, but we're now we're seeing how Diana, who most probably I am convinced that the Labour Party will also stop her from rerunning in elections, if not this uh, um, uh, cycle of elections, next cycle of elections. So, and she was, she's a beacon of anti-racism campaigns. Absolutely, in, in absolutely. The, I remember Diane Abbott from, from I don't know when, a long, long time ago. She's always been there. Exactly. But then it shows like the, the stage that we're at in politics. Are we, we're going backwards. We're, we're definitely well, listen, I mean, if we're going to talk about that, we might as well talk about how Labour treated its own leader. Yeah. Who 100%. almost became prime yeah, minister. Exactly. And who brought about it, you know, several hundred thousands new members and made it the biggest political party in all and of Europe. And that had a ripple effect on student politics as well. Like so many students were getting involved and, and were campaigning and felt confident in the way that they were campaigning, things like prevents and things like that. They, they were so confident to campaign because they felt safe because they knew they had a Labour Party that would have their backs um, if things went went wrong. But now, because we don't have that, we're now seeing that's that's had the, that the students are very like leaving the Labour Party, leaving politics as a whole, seeing there's no point. And I think, yeah. So uh, tell me this. I mean, this is interesting. When you talk about people leaving the Labour Party as a result of what's going on, do you see them heading towards any other political party? No. No. Just be becoming apathetic? Yeah, like, I think it's, that's, I think that's what will make the next general election actually very, very interesting. Because I feel like a lot of people, a lot of young people are struggling to choose a party to vote for. Mm. Um, I know others are saying, oh, it's better to vote for Labour than the Tories because, you know, at least... You know the Tories are no longer in power, but I don't know if that's an, a, a, a good enough example um, or ex explanation as to why you should vote Labour. But um, now that would get me in trouble. I just realised, but it's all good. If I get expelled, I get expelled because I really should be encouraging people to be voting for Labour. But anyways, um, but um, yeah, look, people don't know like because 
Lib Dems, definitely students won't be voting for Lib Dems. Like, really? Absolutely not. Like, there was have, a time when students would actually go to the, to the Lib yeah, Dems. Yeah, Lib Dems, they've completely ruined that relationship with is students. Is it because of the, the fact that they went into government the, yeah, that was it. Is that, yeah, is that that's, the that's the exact reason. Right, because okay. they did campaign for a free education. They brought so many students in. And so many young people <laughs> loved Lib Dems. So many people were voting for them. And then they got into power. Well, and we, obviously he was obviously deputy prime minister, but he was still in a power of influence. Yeah. And then instead of even just keeping the tuition fees at itself, they tripled it. So it just shows. So Lib Dems, I don't think students will go for. Green Party, I don't know. Who else is there? The SNP, I know SNP is very popular among Scottish students. Um, just SNP in general, they're very popular. But no, I, I don't know who students will be voting for. I mean, for. It's, it's, it's quite fascinating. I mean, the way that we're talking, we're, we're, we started off talking about the student scene and about, you know, how it used to be, the, the kind of influence that's exerted not only here in the UK, but around the world. Um, and then we moved on to the challenges faced by students, particularly Muslim students. We talked about the impact of campaigning for issues such as Palestine. I mean, in, in your case, very close to your heart because of your mother, um, but still how difficult that was. The kind of ramifications and implications that would befall anyone who, who raised their voice or raised their head um, above a particular benchmark. And then how all of this is impacting society. And I think that that's where I started with. I started with how essentially the leaders of today were the students of yesterday and how they themselves were fruits of a very vibrant political scene within the student movement or the student scene, but how they themselves are now working in order to suppress that and to change that. It's like, you know, the, the old uh, story about, I don't know whether, you know, you know this, uh, being as young as you are, but, you know, how uh, you use the democratic ladder to get to the, you know, to the upper floors and then you kick the ladder away. So in a way, that's that's what we're seeing. We're seeing that, you know, people who benefited greatly from that vibrant scene now closing it down. And it's uh, it's absolutely absurd. Okay, let's talk about um, uh, about the future a little bit. Uh, I mean, we, we talked a little bit about how how uh, students would uh, would vote. But generally speaking, and, and even those who say, listen, I'm not going to really campaign. I'm not, not going to raise my voice. That doesn't necessarily translate that these are people who are uninterested. Yeah, no, 100%. They yeah. are interested. Yeah. But, the, but, but my worry is, how is that passion or belief, in whatever cause it may be, how, is, how does that translate? I mean, how does that come forth? How does that student vent? I mean, that's, that's what I'm, I'm concerned about. But that's where grassroots campaigns come in hand. Um, like one, one campaign that I can just think about is the Forefront Project, which is an anti-knife crime uh, you know, project. But it also creates a space for young black boys to come and talk about, you know, their experiences with the police and their experiences with gang violence and things like that. And I think it's those little gems that have become such a vital space for our youth. Um, and yeah, I, I think that is where like we would be seeing students go and the youth, the youth go to um, when they need to talk about their so politics. So basically and... we're talking about community projects. Yes. Yeah, it's community projects. Uh, yeah. Okay, so what else? What else? What else is there? I mean, can you give me some really bright, shining examples of how students can get involved in uh, inventing um, about stuff which uh, in, in which they believe? I Look, I've definitely seen a shift um, of students um, sort of going towards their grassroots campaigns. Mm. But I've also seen um, students who identify a you know, particular issue on campus mm. and they group together and they campaign about it. Um, there, you know, students are, uh, there's a growing number of students who campaign in solidarity with UCU, for an example. Um, and Sorry, UCU? UCU, okay, um, trade is? union. Um, uh, for electors. Yes. Okay. Um, you need to spell these things Sorry, out. Oh, yeah, yeah. University College <laughs> right, okay. uh, Union. And uh, th there is that really amazing and beautiful partnership between lecturers and students. Mm. Um, you know, students have campaigned with their with their lecturers um, on you know fair working conditions and better working conditions. You see students campaigning on 
um, supporting the caterers and cleaners, for an example. Uh, this was a campaign that I supported at my university, for an example, um, to bring up the cleaners and caterers in-house, um, you know, better pay, better pensions, better, um, you know, sick pay, all these things. So there are pockets of local campaigns that I see students um taking part in um, and these are more campus based ca uh, campaigns I would say um, rent strikes uh, I, I think the rent strikes have been really successful they a lot of universities up and down the country yeah up and down the country a lot of universities took part in rent strikes um, occupations um, so I, I do think there are students do identify issues on their campus or in their universities and then they try to organized together to to bring about a positive change but in terms of like a, a national campaign a more structural organized campaign unfortunately i i don't i don't think they work anymore I, i've definitely haven't seen students engaging in in some of those um i've seen students um campaigning um locally again on their campus to decolonize whether it's you know decolonizing the education the curriculum whatever it is um, and, and raising awareness about, you know, anti-black racism, you know, th these things on a on a campus level. Are, I think are the I'll... campaigns against racism, are they still there? Are they vibrant? Are they... Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. I mean, is it all under Black Lives Matter or is it something that is autonomous? I think it did come about before Black Lives Matter. It was definitely a conversation that was happening, um, decolonization and things like that. And I think Black Lives Matter as a movement it obviously helped. picked up yeah. a lot of momentum and then pushed it was good like because i was a sabbatical officer at the time and it was good weapon to use in in rooms like um just sitting there and be like well guys so what are we doing for black lives matter so we got to make sure we decolonize the curriculum even though i was having those conversations beforehand but um seeing that there was so much there was so much focus on 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 especially the BME uh, attainment gap as well. I think that was that was another thing. That was a very big deal as well, especially at Westminster when I did a research paper on it. And at Westminster, in fact, it was students who were coming with the highest tariffs. So those students are coming with the highest grades that were leaving with the lowest attainment. So it was 100% structural. And, you know, when you put these facts in front of them and then talk about things like Black Lives Matter, the lives, their experiences and encounters with lecturers and police and things like that, then it was, yeah, it helped so much. And it really, I was able to get the university to put out like a public um, statement, but not just a statement, it had commitments in it as well. Because that was another thing. A lot of universities were putting out all these statements, but there was no commitment to it. But one thing I did tell my university, I was like, we're not gonna just release a statement. I want you to list 10 commitments on how you are going to improve the experiences of black students on your campus. And that's what was done. Um, and I think, yeah, that was something that it really, really helped. Um, like allowing, that was definitely something that allowed students to get involved in as well. I think a lot of students felt like, oh, this is definitely something I can get involved in. That wasn't too political. That wouldn't lead to too much backlash. Um, and a lot of students were involved and a lot of students were loving, you know, doing the different campaigns and talking about how they'd love to see these kind of books in the libraries. And, and it was really great um, moment to bring, involve all types of students who, students who are not, not politically involved in that sense, but it's because that's their experience that they felt like it was something that they can get involved in. So, um, You yeah. see, I mean, that's the thing. I mean, when we talk about campaigning at university, it's not just uh, some um, sort of silly pastime. It's actually... Uh, grants a discipline, a skill, a skill set, teamwork, uh, you know, things that you you look for when you apply for a workplace in the future. They ask you about all these things that you should have harnessed and gained back at university. So so it's, it, it, it is incredibly important. But, you know, I want to spend a few minutes on your, how you see education, education as a system in our country right now. I mean, the UK used to be at the forefront of global education. People used to, you know, seek and dream about coming to the UK in order to gain degrees because they were then, you know, lauded around the world. The question that I have, and from, you know, what we said about student loans and about the burden of, of an education today, I was, you know, my, my son, oddly, uh, the other day, he, uh, he said to me, uh, do you know 
how much I'm going to be owing when I graduate. So I thought to myself, I thought, I said, is it 40,000? He said, double that. He said around 80 to 90,000. And I have to say that sort of let me to calculate, okay, so, you know, what kind of job does he need to work out and for how many years for him to pay that back? But regardless of that, are we creating a system whereby there are the haves and the have-nots? Are we creating a society where education is the privilege of the few and the dream, unattainable dream of the many? Is, is, is that where we're heading? I actually, I think we're heading to a society where there are alternative ways to education. I don't think university is no longer the dream, but it doesn't mean that they're not able to attain and, and not able to achieve. Um, I think one thing that the government is doing all right with is investing a lot in apprenticeships and um, alternative education. Well, they used to, I don't know if that, I don't know what Rishi Sunak's planning to do with that, but you know, they did invest a lot in that. And I think I know a lot of students and a lot, a lot of young people that are doing apprenticeships and are, are doing so much better than students that are in university because- Are we talking financially? Financially, but also skill set wise as well, because university, unless you were involved in all the extra stuff, university is just a degree that's being taught to you. But when you're doing things like apprenticeships, you're learning on the job you're getting skills, you're learning all of it and you're able to demonstrate it so much better. Um, and I know even like when I was in the experience of like um, on the other end where I was hiring people as part of my sabbatical officer role, one thing I did is like, okay, they have this master's in that, but then when you actually look at the CV, they don't really have much work experience. But then I've I've seen students who, young people, sorry, who didn't go to university, went straight into work, mm got all these different experiences and are achieving so much better in the workplace. So I do think now there is a shift and there's a shift definitely in alternative education and an alternative, um, alternative routes than just university. Obviously it's still a very new concept for a lot of people, but I know even financially, like um, one of my, my husband's very good friends, you know, he got, he did a year 10 work experience one week. And he got poached from that. And now he's a major graphic designer traveling the world and on six figures and he's 27. So, um, and he never went to university. So I think there is definitely like, I think it's important for us as like young people to actually have that conversation about alternative education. Cause I know I'm having that with my sister-in-law as well. I'm like telling her, mm, do you really want to go uni? Cause there are all these other things as well that you can do. Um, I don't know about you, I, but. I, there is definitely a shift. Um, and there is like a big talk on alternative education. Um, and I do think it will become bigger in, in the future. But in terms of university, I don't think university used to be, um, you know, benefit the, the few and, you know, the, what you mentioned. Um, but actually you see more students going to university. Um, it's become easier to go to university. Um, you, you know, but the problem comes after it's the debt you leave with. How many years do you have to work to, to pay back? Um, and I think that's when it becomes difficult because going to university doesn't necessarily translate to you having a good, good paying job. job. Yeah, of course. It doesn't. Yeah. And of I think that's where the issue lies. Okay, guys, that was fantastic. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.